Chapter Eighteen of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Eighteen: The Spirit of the Ancient Wood. Agatha's first thought on awakening late in the forenoon was the memory of Sally Kingsbury coaxing her to bed and tucking her in in the purple light of the early morning she remembered the attention with pleasure and gratitude as another blessing added to the greater one of james hamilton's turn toward recovery sally's act was mute testimony that agatha was in truth heir to hercules thayer's estate spiritual and material she summoned lizzie and while she was dressing laid out directions for the day during her short stay in Ilion, Lizzie had been diligent enough in gathering items of information, but nevertheless she had remained oblivious of any impending crisis during the night. Her pompadour was marcelled as accurately as if she were expecting a morning call from Mr. Straker. No rustlings of the wings of the angel of death had disturbed her sleep. In fact, lizzie would have winked knowingly if his visit had been announced to her her sophistication had banished such superstitions she noticed however that agatha's candles had burned to their sockets and inquired if miss redmond had been wakeful mr hambleton was very ill everybody in the house was up till near morning replied agatha rather tartly oh what a pity could i have done anything i never heard a sound cried lizzie effusively no there was nothing you could have done said agatha it's very bad for your voice miss redmond staying up all night went on lizzie solicitously you're quite pale this morning and with your western tour ahead of you agatha let these adjurations go unanswered it occurred to lizzie that possibly she had allied herself with a mistress who was foolish enough to ruin her public career by private follies such as worrying about sick people heaven in lizzie's eyes was the glare of publicity and since she was unable to shine in it herself she loved to be attached to somebody who could her fidelity was based on agatha's celebrity as a singer she would have preferred serving an actress who was all the rage but considered a popular singer who paid liberally as the next best thing there was always enough common sense in lizzie's remarks to make some impression even on a person capable of the folly of mourning at a deathbed agatha's spirits freshened by hope and the sleep of health rose to a buoyancy which was well able to deal with practical questions she quickly formed a plan for the day though she was wise enough to withhold the scheme from the maid agatha drank her coffee ate sparingly of sally's toast and leaving lizzie with a piece of sewing to do went first to james hambleton's room after ten minutes or so she slowly descended the stairs and went out the front way she circled the garden and came round to the open kitchen door sally was kneeling before her oven inspecting bread agatha watched her while she tapped the bottom of the tin held her face down close to the loaf and finally took the whole baking out of the oven and tipped the tins on the table that's the most delicious smell that ever was said agatha sally jumped up and pulled her apron straight 
lord miss redmond how you scared me couldn't you sleep any longer i didn't want to i'm as good as new tell me sally where all the people are mr hand is in mr hamilton's room i know but where are the others i guess they're all parcelled round said sally with symptoms of sniffing i don't want to complain miss redmond but we ain't had any such a house full since parson thayer's last conference met here and not so many then only three ministers and two wives though of course ministers make more work but i wouldn't say a word miss redmond about the work if it wasn't for that young woman that puts on such airs coming and getting your tray i ain't used to that sally paused like any good orator while her main thesis gained impressiveness from silence it was only too evident that her feelings were hurt agatha considered the matter but before replying came farther into the kitchen and touched the tip of a finger to one of sally's loaves lifting it to show its golden brown crust you're an expert at bread sally i can see that she said heartily i shouldn't have got over my accident half so well if it hadn't been for your good food and your care and i want you to know that i appreciate it she was reluctant to discuss the maid but her cordial liking for sally counseled frankness don't mind about lizzie i thought you had too much to do and that she might just as well help you but if she bothers you we won't have it and now tell me where mrs stoddard and the others are sally's symptoms indicated that she was about to be propitiated but she had yet a desire to make her position clear to miss redmond it's all right only i've taken care of the china for seventeen years and it don't seem right to let her handle it and she told me herself that anybody that had any respect for their hands wouldn't do kitchen work and if her hands are too good for kitchen work i'm sure i don't want her messing round here she left the tea on the stove till it boiled miss redmond just yesterday agatha smiled i'm sure lizzie doesn't know anything about cooking sally and she shall not bother you any more sally turned a rather less melancholy face toward agatha it's been fairly lonesome since the parson died i'm glad you've come to the red house the words came from sally's lips gruffly and ungraciously but agatha knew that they were sincere she knew better however than to appear to notice them in a moment sally went on miss stoddard she's asleep in the front spare room said for me to call her at twelve poor woman she must be tired said agatha aunt susan's a stout woman miss redmond she didn't go to bed until she had prayers beside the young man's bed with mr hunt present i had to wait with the coffee and i guess mr hand ain't very much used to our ways for when aunt susan had made a prayer mr hand said yes ma'am instead of amen there was a mixture of disapprobation and grim humour which did not escape agatha she was again beguiled into a smile though sally remained grave as a tombstone mr hand will learn said agatha and was about to add like the rest of us but thought better of it sally took up her tale mr van camp and his friend came in just after i'd put you to bed miss redmond and ate a bit of breakfast right off her that table and twas a mercy i'd cleared all the coach out of the attic as i did last week for mr van camp he wanted a place to sleep 
and he's up there now used to be a whole lot of the parson's books up there but i put them on a shelf in the spare room the other man went off toward the village agatha looking about the pleasant kitchen was tempted to linger sally's conversation yielded to the discerning something of the rich essence of the past and agatha began to yearn for a better knowledge of the recluse who had been her friend unknown through all the years but she remembered her industrious plans for the day and postponed her talk with sally i remember there used to be a grove a stretch of wood somewhere beyond the church sally which way is it along the path that goes through the churchyard no this way right back ere the yard parson thayer he used to walk that way quite often sally went with agatha to another stile beyond the churchyard and pointed over the pasture to a fringe of dark trees along the farther border right there by that apple tree the path is but don't go far miss redmond the woods ain't healthy all right sally thank you i'll not stay long she called Danny and started out through the pasture with the hound, sober and dignified and happy, at her heels. The wood was cool and dim, with an uneven wagon road winding in and out between stumps. Enormous sugar maples reared their forms here and there. Occasionally, a lithe birch lifted a tossing head, and farther within, pines shot their straight trunks, arrow-like, up to the canopy above farther along the road widened into a little clearing beyond which the birch and maple trees gave place entirely to pines and hemlocks the underbrush disappeared and a brown carpet of needles and cones spread far under the shade the leafy rustle of the deciduous trees ceased and a majestic stillness deeper than thought pervaded the place at the clearing just within this deeper wood agatha paused sat down on a stone and took danny's head in her lap the dog looked up into her face with the wistful melancholy gaze of his kind inarticulate yet eloquent the sun was nearly at zenith and bright flecks of light lay here and there over the brown earth as agatha grew accustomed to the shade it seemed pleasant and not at all uncheerful the gaiety of sunlight subdued only to a softer tone the resolution which had brought her thither returned she stood up under the dome of pines and began softly to sing trying her voice first in single tones then a scale or two a trill at first her voice was not clear but as she continued it emerged from its sheath of huskiness clear and flute-like and liquid as the notes of the thrushes that inhabited the wood the pleasure of the exercise grew and presently warbling her songs there in the otherwise silent forest agatha became conscious of a strange accompaniment pausing a moment she perceived that the grove was vocal with tone long after her voice had ceased it was not exactly an echo but a slowly receding resonance faint duplications and multiplications of her voice gently floating into the thickness of the forest charmed like a child who discovers some curious phenomenon of nature agatha tried her voice again and again listening between whiles to the ghostly tones reverberating among the pines she sang the slow majestic lasia chio pianga which has tested every singer's voice since handel wrote it and then curious she tried the effect of the aerial sounding board with quick 
brilliant runs up and down the full range of the voice but the effect was more beautiful with something melodious and somewhat slow and there came to her mind an old-fashioned song which as a girl she had often sung with her mother oh that we two were maying down the stream of the soft spring breeze she sang this stanza through softly walking up and down among the pines danny at first walked up and down beside her gravely and then lay down in the middle of the path keeping an eye on agatha's movements her voice pitched at its softest now seemed to be infinitely enlarged without being made louder it carried far in among the trees clear and soft as a wave ripple entranced agatha began the second part of the song just for the joy of singing oh that we two sat dreaming on the sward of some sheep trimmed down when suddenly from the distance another voice took up the strain danny was instantly up and off to investigate but presently came back wagging and begging his mistress to follow him in spite of her surprise in hearing another voice complete the duet agatha went on with the song half singing half humming it was a woman's voice that joined hers singing the part quite according to the book with our limbs at rest on the quiet earth's breast and our souls at home with god the pine canopy spread the voices first one and then the other until the wood was like a vast cathedral filled with the softest music of the organ pipes there was nobody in sight at first but as agatha followed the path she presently saw a white arm and skirt projecting from behind the trunk of a tree danny wagging slowly appeared to wish to make friends and before agatha had time to wonder the stranger emerged and came toward her with outstretched hand ah forgive me i hid and then startled you but i was tempted by the song and this forest temple isn't it wonderful agatha looked at the stranger suddenly wondering if she were not some familiar but half-forgotten acquaintance of years agone she was a beautiful dark woman probably two or three years older than herself mature and self-poised as only a woman of the cosmopolitan world can be it might be that compared to her agatha was a bit crude and unfinished with the years of her full blossoming yet to come she had no words at the moment and the older woman still holding agatha's hand explained i did not mean to steal in upon you but as i came into the grove i heard you singing Handel, and i couldn't resist listening your voice it is wonderful especially here as she looked into agatha's face her sincere eyes and voice gave the praise that no one can resist the tribute of one artist to another this is indeed a beautiful hall i found it out just now by accident when i came up here to practice and see if i had any voice left said agatha she paused as it suddenly occurred to her that the visitor might be james hamilton's sister and that she was being delinquent as a hostess but come back to the house she said this is not a hospitable place exactly to receive a guest the stranger laughed gently <laughs> have you guessed who i am then no well you see i had the advantage of you from the first you are miss redmond and i followed you here from the house where your servant gave me the directions i am miss rainier melanie rainier and i am staying at the hillside mr van camp 
and to her own great surprise melanie blushed crimson at this point that is we my aunt and i were mr van camp's guests on board the seagull when he heard of the wreck of the jeanne d'arc we put in to charlesport though he has probably explained all this to you it was such a relief and pleasure to mr van camp to find his cousin ill as he was for he had feared the worst agatha had not heard miss rainier's name before but she knew vaguely that mr van camp had been with the yachting party when he arrived at charlesport now that she was face to face with miss rainier a keen liking and interest a quick confidence rose in her heart for her then perhaps you know mr hambleton said agatha impulsively the fever turned last night were you told that he is better no i don't know him said melanie shaking her head nevertheless i am heartily glad to hear that he is better much better they said at the house they were standing at the place where agatha had first discovered her visitor but now they turned back into the clearing come and try the organ-pipes again she begged they walked about the wood singing first one strain and then another testing the curiously beautiful properties of the pine dome they were quickly on a footing of friendliness it was evident that each was capable of laying aside formality when she wished to do so and each was at heart frank and sincere melanie's talent for song was not small yet she recognized in agatha a superior gift while to agatha melanie rainier seemed increasingly mature polished full of charm they left the wood and wandered back through the pasture and over the stile each learning many things in regard to the other they spoke of the place and its beauty and agatha told melanie of the childhood memories which for the first time she had revived in their living background how our thoughts change she said at last as a child i never felt this farm to be lonely it was the most populous and entertaining place in all the world i much preferred the wood to anything in the city i love it now too but it seems the essence of solitude to me that is because you have been where the passions and restlessness of men have centred one is never the same after that strangely enough the place now belongs to me went on agatha parson thayer the former owner and resident was my mother's guardian and friend and left the place to me for her sake ah that is well cried melanie it will be your castle of retreat your sans-souci for all your life i envy you it is charming pastor parson do you say parson thayer was a man of judgment yes and a man of strange and dominating personality in his way everything about the house speaks of him and his tastes even danny here follows me i really believe because i am beginning to appreciate his former master agatha stooped and patted the dog's head youth and health helped by the sympathy of a friend were working wonders in agatha she beamed with happiness come into the house she begged melanie and look at some of his books with me but first we'll find sally and get luncheon and perhaps mr van camp will appear by that time poor man he was quite worn out then you shall see parson thayer's books and flowers if you will they strolled over the velvet lawn toward the front of the house where the door and the long windows stood open down by the road and close to the lilac bushes that flanked the gateway stood a large silver-white automobile 
evidently miss rayner's conveyance the driver of the machine had disappeared i mustn't trespass on your kindness for luncheon to-day thank you melanie was saying but i'll come again soon if i may meantime she was moving slowly down the walk but agatha would not have it so she clung to this woman friend with an unwonted eagerness begging her to stay we are quite alone and we have been so miserable about mr hamilton's illness she pleaded quite illogically do stay and cheer us up and so melanie was persuaded easily too except for her compunctions about abusing the hospitality of a household whose first care must necessarily be for the sick i want to stay she said frankly the house breathes the very air of restfulness itself and i haven't seen the garden at all she walked back over the lawn looked admiringly out toward the garden with its purple and yellow flowers then gazed into the lofty thicket above her head where the high elm spread its century-old branches agatha standing a little apart and looking at melanie was again struck by some haunting familiarity about her face and figure she wondered where she could have seen miss rainier before aleck van camp appearing round the corner of the house made elaborate bows to the two ladies good morning miss redmond he said he greeted her cordially plainly glad to see her i slept the sleep of the blessed up there in your fragrant loft good morning miss rainier he walked over and formally took melanie's hand for an instant i knew it was decreed that you two should be friends he went on in his deliberate way in fact i've been waiting for the moment when i could have the pleasure of introducing you myself and here you have managed to dispense with my services altogether but let me escort you into the house sally says her raised biscuits are all ready for luncheon agatha looking at her new friend's vivid face saw that mr van camp was not an unwelcome addition to their number she had a quick superstitious feeling of happiness at the thought that the old red house gathering elements of joy about its roof was her possession and her home i promised to show miss rainier some queer old books after luncheon she said aleck wrinkled his brow i'll try not to be jealous of them End of chapter eighteen